Now it's time to jump into the Word, and today we're going back to the series that we've been in called Hearing God with Pastor Jared. Let's get into it. So uh, when Jen and I first met each other, when we first laid eyes on each other, I got to tell you guys, I fell hard. Like, I fell for her really, really hard. I wanted to be near her all the time. I wanted to look at her. I wanted to hear what she had to say to me. I wanted to tell her everything that was in my brain. Anybody identify with that feeling? You know what that's like? Yeah. I just wanted to be close to her, right? But we were in college, and we lived in separate dorm buildings all the way across campus. And even though we were spending enormous amounts of time together, we had different classes, and we had different jobs and responsibilities, and the result was that when we spent time apart, like, the time together was never enough. We wanted more. And so the result of that, some of it, is right here in this old shoebox. And it's actually filled with notes. Yeah, this is true. This is, these are actual love notes that Jennifer and I wrote. No, you can't read them. Some of them are a little too saucy for y'all. Um, but these are little love letters that were, you know, written down in, in Jennifer's handwriting to me and and in my handwriting to her, and, and there's cards in here, and there's just all these awesome little notes. And what would happen is uh, I would come back from maybe class, and underneath my door was a little folded note. And I would take that note, you know, and I would go alone with my, by myself somewhere and look at her handwriting and read it slowly, sometimes over and over again, you know, just so I could get the full weight of everything that she had to say. The actual note wasn't super valuable, right? It's just a piece of paper with some ink on it. But the fact that it was written by the person that I loved really, really meant something to me. And it was really precious to me. Nikki Gumbel uh, says it like this. The Bible is a, y'all read that next two words. It's a love letter from God to you. What makes the Bible so exciting is not the book itself, but the fact that through it, we encounter the person that we love. I love that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we encounter the person that we love through the written word of God, the Bible? So I want to welcome you back to our sermon series on hearing God. We're examining all the ways that God speaks to us and how we can best learn to listen to his voice. You guys will remember that Pastor Victor started us early on giving the foundation of this study. The fact is, God wants to talk to you. Do you guys believe that? He does. He wants to talk to you. He is wanting to communicate to his creation ever since he made us and God has spoken to us, and he is still speaking to us today. You will remember that we learned that Jesus, the person of Jesus, he is the starting point from hearing God's, for hearing God's voice personally. 
So hearing God, we talk about listening to the voice of God. It's all connected to the person of Jesus. And I'm picking up today where we left off a couple weeks ago, continuing our conversation about the Spirit of God speaking to us through the written Word. And uh, you'll remember that Zeke shared a whole week of, you know, when we hold this Bible in our hands, what exactly are we holding? And just the value and the treasure that we have in the Bible. We learned how the Bible is a window that opens up to the reality of God. We learned how the Bible is um, a library. It's more than just a dusty old book. It's actually a composition of many different authors across a long period of time. And what we're holding when we hold this library is actually a, a, a wealth of all kinds of literary sources and all types of, of writing, and it's the voice of God. We also uh, learned how that when we're holding the Bible in our hands, we're actually holding a meal. Like, this is good for us, and we should devour it and eat it. And uh, I, I hope you guys are enjoying talking about how to get into hearing the voice of God. We believe in the importance of this so much here that we have provided materials for all of our circles so that in your circle, you can spend a little extra time talking about hearing the voice of God. And so for the next little while, you might be hearing about some of that in your, in your circle that you're belonging. But if there are some of you here that just really want to dig deeper, you know, you want to hear hear the voice of God, and you've got some experiences with it, or you want to learn more, we're actually providing here this evening in the atrium at 6 o'clock kind of a hearing God deep dive, okay? And this is all about uh, listening to the voice of God and learning to hear the voice of God and how to distinguish that from all the noise. So you guys are invited. If you're not already plugged into a circle, it would be a great place to check it out. Uh, here in the atrium at 6 p.m., Channa Lay is going to help us facilitate that. So that's the deep dive coming tonight, beginning tonight at 6 p.m. Okay, chances are, if you're here in the room with me this morning, that you probably have at least some appreciation for the Bible. Nod your head if you kind of like the Bible. Okay, good, good, good. We're in good company here. Anybody bring a physical copy of the Bible with them? Let me see that. All right, fantastic. Most of you have your Bible on your phone or your device, right? Okay. So we're all in this room holding a Bible. And you probably know that you're supposed to read it, right? Is that, is that not, that's not a new revelation for anybody, is it? This book, you're supposed to read. Can we agree on that? Everybody can agree. Yeah, you're supposed to, to read it. But what we're going to look at this morning is how are we to read it? We know it's the good book, but how are we supposed to interact with it? How are we supposed to read the Bible? So this morning, we're going to tackle that subject. How are we going to read the Bible? And we're going to do it with a one-two punch, all right? So with the left punch, we're going to talk about how to read the Bible. And then with the right punch, we're going to talk about how to let the Bible read me, how to let the Bible read me, and then we're going to wrap up with just a little bit of practical application. So I want to tell you that everybody has a story with the Scripture. Everybody has their own personal story with the Bible. There's as many approaches to the Bible as there are people. 
If you grew up in certain church traditions, you might have the idea that the Bible is a serious book. Serious book. And the reason why you have this idea is because every time somebody was reading the Bible, your parent or your grandparent or somebody sitting in the pew beside you was going, shh, listen, right? It's a serious. Take, nod your head if you know it. Yeah, it's serious book. You need to pay attention. The stuff in here is dead serious. You need to listen and be quiet. And um, there is really, really something good in that approach to the Scripture because the Word of God, would you agree, needs to be honored. It needs to be respected. But can I just tell you that the Bible is more than just a serious book? Some of you may have grown up with the idea that uh, reading the Bible is like a good habit. To you, reading the Bible is like going to the gym, you know, uh, or being on a diet. Like, I feel really good when I read it, but when I don't, I feel really guilty and like a loser. You know, some of us have that approach to, to the Scripture. And I'm going to tell you, the discipline of habitually reading the Bible is so, so important. And we're going to talk about that in just a little while. But when I only understand the Scripture, listen, as a supposed to do, or I'm supposed to do it if I get around to it, then I might be missing out on some of the transformative power of the Bible to really change and reorder my whole life. So I want to tell you, reading the Bible is more than just a good habit, all right? Others of us may have a different approach to the Scripture. Maybe you can kind of view the Bible as a power tool, you know? How many of you like tools and have a bunch of them in your shop? Yeah. Sometimes we can view the Bible as this persuasive tool that I got to master the use of in order to use it for my purposes. Like, I picked this up in Bible school, you guys, more than anywhere else, and it's something that I have to guard against in my own life. This approach to reading the Bible in order to persuade other people. You know, like it's a, it's a tool, and if I could just get the right verse, it's the right tool for the moment. And if I know how to master it and apply it in any argument, I can win. Well, when that's my only approach to the Bible, then I'm missing out not only on the love for the Scripture that I need to have, but sometimes I'm seeking from the Bible just what I can get out of it. Are you still with me? Yeah. The Bible is a revelation for my life. It's the revelation back to the beginning of the one that I love the most. It's the primary source of my relationship with Jesus. It's the well that I'm deeply drawing from. It's a whole lot more than just a tool that I master. There's still more of us, right? Some of us read the Bible like we're cramming for an exam. You know what I mean? It's like, i got to find out in here what the answers to life are so that at the end of it, I can pass the test. You know? Get to go to heaven. Just tell me what I need to know to go to heaven. You may have heard somebody that has that approach to the Scripture. Um, it's, uh, it's really, really real. Some of us... You ever heard that term in school, hit the books? Some of us hit the book when life gets hard. 
We hit the book when we're in deep need. And that's a good thing to do because the answers are there. But I wanted to tell you that Scripture is more than just a textbook that you study so that you'll know the answers. I want to talk personally to a couple of you now, too, because there may be even some in this room who are very guarded against the Bible because perhaps, I'm sorry, someone has hurt you by using the Bible. You know, they proverbially beat you over the head with the Bible. You may be hurt today here uh, by other followers of Jesus who seem to use the Bible in order to get you to do something they wanted you to do or to mislead you. But can I just tell you, if, if, if that's the way you're feeling this morning, the Scripture is not going to hurt you. And it is so, so much more than a weapon used on people. And then some of us are just sitting here this morning and we're just like, no, I'm offended by what the Bible has to say. We're carrying around resentment toward the Word of God. Maybe there are parts of the Bible that you don't appreciate and it goes against the way you feel. And so you'd like to just kind of edit out the parts of the Bible that you don't agree with. Maybe there's some scriptures that have turned you off in the past. Well, can I just remind you guys that the Bible is, is a whole lot more than just an offense or something that you should stay away from. And all these approaches, all these approaches that I've mentioned to scripture are present here in this room to some degree or another. I have a story with Scripture. You have a story with Scripture. Nobody ever comes to read the Bible with a clean slate. We're all bringing our own personal history into interacting with the Bible, which takes us to the middle chapter in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible. Anybody know what it is? Psalm 119. So if you have your scripture and you want to look there, Psalm 119, it's the longest single chapter in the Bible. And guess what? It's all about God's Word. How about that? You should take some time and just read this amazing poem all about God's Word and how to work with it. Uh, it's a very long chapter. We're only going to zoom in on a few verses. So let's train on down to verse 103, Psalm 103, 119, verse 103. It says this, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. I love that imagery. He goes on to say, Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Verse 105, your word is a what? A lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. And I want y'all to see this in 106. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey. So these few verses, they give us a real simple answer to that broad question, how should I read the Bible? How do I read the Bible? Friends, regardless 
of how you have come to the Bible, regardless of what your story is with the Bible or what your approach is to reading it, here in this few short verses in Psalm 119, we have a couple of very clear answers. And I want to share the first one with you and write this down in your notes. I read the Bible like it's good for me. I read the Bible like it's good for me. Did you hear what the psalmist said? He said, your words are sweet to me. They taste good to me. The Word of God is good for my life. It brings understanding. When I read, I'm reading with the understanding that the words of God here in this Bible, they're life-giving. They are good. When I read the Bible, what's in here is helping me. And I can't make it without them. I can't make it without the words of God. Let me go to uh, 2 Timothy. You guys heard this a couple of weeks ago, but let's revisit it. All the scripture, all of it, all the Bible is inspired by God. That means he breathed it out. And it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Look right here at this word. The Bible is useful for me and you. It's good for you. It's good for you. So when I take up the scripture, I come to the Bible with the knowledge that these words came from the mouth of God. What he said for me, his creation, is useful and good for my life. I'm not coming to the Scripture skeptical. You know? I'm not taking the Bible and looking at it going, I don't know about this. No, I'm, I'm coming to read the Bible hopeful that I can hear the good things that God has for me. So basically reading the Bible like it's good for me means that I just trust the Word of God. I trust it. God's not trying to trick me. This stuff's good. He's not trying to pull the wool over my eyes. What's in His Word is good for me. The words here work. They bring life. They bring help. It's the best thing for me, some would say. Um, have you ever heard somebody say, you know what? I really love Jesus, but I'm just not into the Bible. You know? It kind of sounds silly, but some people feel that way. But if, you're, if you have that approach, like, yeah, Jesus is just all right with me, but the Bible, not so much, then I'm telling you that um, you're holding on to this idea of Jesus without dealing with all the tension that the Bible creates for your life. It, it's really missing out on the truth that's here. The truth that's here. Uh, Andrew Wilson says this, and I'd like to just spend a moment with it. Ultimately, our trust in the Bible stems from our trust in Jesus. So we trust what the Word of God says because we believe that Jesus is good. And they're so interconnected. Can't have one without, without the other. Which brings us probably to the most important takeaway this morning on how to read the Bible. I'd like for you to write this down in your notes. I read the Bible in submission to its authority in my life. 
I read the Bible in submission to its authority in my life. Do you remember what we just read in Psalm 119.105? Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. He said, I've promised it once. I'll promise it again. I will obey. I will obey. So when we talk about the scripture, the psalmist says, I'm going to let your word guide me. Your word will guide where my feet go. I'm going to give up the notion that I know the best way. That's really hard for us, isn't it? I'm going to give up the notion that I know better for me, God, than you do. I'm going to let you be my God. I'm going to let your word light the path in front of me. What the psalmist says next is just so incredibly important. When he says, I will obey, what he's doing is expressing, expressing his submission to God. He's expressing his submission to God. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to read all those words in the Bible, and I'm reading it with the already settled idea that I'm going to apply and do what it says. Are y'all still with me? I'm going to read the Bible, and then I'll do what it says. Theologians call this idea the authority of Scripture. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that line before. The authority of Scripture. This is something that the followers of Jesus have believed in ever since the beginning. I've added on the back of your notes a lengthy reading from Foursquare's uh, doctrinal statement. This is actually what is written in the Foursquare denomination's uh, doctrinal statement about the Scriptures and about the authority of Scripture. We're not going to dig into all of that right now, but that's a little bit of homework for you. The authority of Scripture just simply means this. Because God is the author of Scripture, every word of the Bible possesses the authority of God. Okay, and here's the hard part. And the right to rule my heart and mind. We are getting into some deep waters here, guys. Some deep stuff. Because not only do we love the Bible and the stuff in there is good, but when I read the Bible in submission to its authority in my life, then I'm saying, hey, God, when I take this thing up, I'm giving you charge. What it says there is the rule. It's the law. It's the guide. I will do what your word says. And authority comes from the author. The one who writes the story has the authority, right? So when I read the Bible in submission to its authority in my life, it means that I let the words of God found in the Bible rule me over what I might think or what I might feel or what I'm doing. So let me give you a few examples of that. If that's, if that's hard for you to kind of wrap your head around, let's try, let's try an example. Okay, let's imagine that I'm, a re I'm in a really desperate situation at my workplace. I need to lie in order to cover up a mistake. My thinking is like this. Telling a lie and covering this up is really the only way. I need to lie. I need to blame somebody else in order to protect myself. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I think is the right way. But then I read the scripture, and it tells me, Exodus 20, 16 is one of the big ones. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor, right? 
So reading the Bible in submission to its authority in my life means that even though I think lying is the best way to do it, I yield to the Word of God and I don't lie. Because I'm letting the words of God have authority in my life. Do you get that? Everybody understand what we're talking about. Let's have another example. Perhaps I have a very serious beef with a family member. You know, like (laughs) they've acted selfishly, maybe even sinfully. They have let me and everybody else in the family down again and again. And we've been around this cycle so many times. And listen, I just don't trust them anymore. In fact, in the inner places of my heart, I kind of hate them, right? I don't want anything else to do with them. But then I read in the Bible where Jesus says in the model prayer, I need to forgive those who have trespassed against me. And I read again where he's talking to the disciples and he says, I need to forgive 490 times plus. And even though that makes no sense to the way I feel, and I don't even want to, my next step is to forgive my family member because what I'm reading in Scripture has authority in my life. Y'all still, th- y'all still there? I'm listening to what the words say, and I'm letting it rule in my life. So both of these takeaways from Psalm 119 they express a very, what we would call, high view of Scripture. The highest possible view we can have of Scripture, which is, I'm not the author of my life, and I'm not the authority over my life. God is. And I let God, through His Word, have rule in the way I think and in the way I behave. Can I just detour off for a quick minute? You know, Jesus, he had a very high view of Scripture, too, and he combated those who didn't let it have authority in their lives. Y'all remember those stories in the Bible? Like Jesus, he had a high view of Scripture, and he had a lot to say for people that messed around with the Word of God. Remember there were two religious groups in Jesus' day, right? Sadducees, Pharisees, uh, they approached God's Word very, very differently. The Sadducees were this largely upper-class They kind of had a take-it-or-leave-it approach to the Bible. They love God, but kind of in a really sophisticated way, if you could say it, you know. They just interpreted interpreted God's Word and just kind of made it fit into the way that they were living. They eliminated all miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Anything to do with angels or demons, they threw out. So they created a Bible or a view of Scripture that just served themselves, just for them what they wanted it to be. The the Sadducees accommodated the Bible into their time and place. Does that sound familiar to anybody? We kind of do that sometimes, don't we? But then there were the Pharisees, and they had a completely different approach, didn't they? They read the Bible, they studied it, they memorized it, and and they worked really hard to uphold its its words, but in their excitement and in their zeal to uphold the Scripture, they began to add a bunch of other things to it. Like things you had to do in order to be right with the Scripture and traditions and rituals that you had to upkeep. They actually took the Word of God and they added a bunch of stuff to it and created a whole different subculture. 
of religion, right? You had to wash your hands this way, you had to wear these kinds of clothes, had to wear things on your outfits. That's what, that's what they did with the Word of God. And unfortunately, we also experience that approach sometimes, don't we? But Jesus spoke directly to both of these approaches in Matthew chapter 5. Check this out. He's saying here, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Look at what he says next. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. What, what Jesus is saying to the Sadducees is first this. Look, if you pick and choose what you want to use from God's word, you're, you're the least in the kingdom of God. He's saying you can't pull a thread out where you don't like it because it unravels the whole thing. With the Pharisees in mind, though, Jesus said, hey, you guys think you're living all, all super righteousness, but really directly upholding the words of God accurately is more important than all this tradition and all this outward observance that you have added to it. So allowing Scripture to have authority in my life is really what Jesus is talking about in the Gospels. If I'm not allowing His Word to work on me and to change me, to mold me into His likeness, then it's not working in my life. Dallas Willard said it like this, Few things are more terrifying in the spiritual arena than those who absolutely know, but who are also unloving, hostile, proud, superstitious, and fearful. That's heavy talk, isn't it? So what we're seeing is like, for those who want to take away from the Scripture or add a bunch to it, that's a pretty scary thing. Pretty scary thing. John Ortberg takes up the tale like this and says, Knowledge about the Bible is indispensably good, but knowledge does not by itself lead to spiritual transformation. So, as Jesus would say to the Pharisees, Guys, how you read the Bible matters. The question for all of us becomes, are we going to let the Bible have authority in our life? Are we going to let the Bible have authority in our life? All right, everybody survived the first punch. Are you ready for the right now? <laughs> punch number two, letting the Bible read me. Letting the Bible read me. Not only do I need to read the Bible in submission to its authority in my life, but I need to let the Bible read me. What am I talking about? What does letting the Bible read me mean? It means allowing the truth of Scripture to get down into my soul, to uh, permeate my armor, you know, to get in, into my soul in such a way that I'm, I'm willing to be changed. Letting the Bible read me means that I approach the Scripture with this mindset. Okay, I'm sitting down today to read the Bible. This is going to challenge me. It's going to provoke me to change. I'm going to read this Scripture today, 
and allow what is in here to work on me and to transform me. So letting the Bible read me means that I will engage with with what is in there knowing that it's going to require something of me. Um, Can you be honest with me for a second? Does anybody have some passages in the Bible that they try to ignore or avoid? Anybody? I do. They're the, they're the difficult ones. We, we do. We, we, there's parts of the Bible perhaps that you don't appreciate all that much because they get up against your selfishness, because they get up against your pride the way you want to do things. There's parts of the Bible we try to avoid because they get up against our hidden sins. We read these passages and we just kind of skate over the top of them, right? We ignore them or we avoid them. But that's not letting the Bible read you. Allowing the Bible to read you means, as Ruth Haley Barton suggests, I pay attention to the scriptures that I want to ignore. It means I pay attention to the scriptures I want to ignore. So let me just give you this, write this down in your notes. Running into a difficult passage or something in the Bible that offends you is actually an invitation. You can either run from it or you can go deeper with it. So when we come to a passage in the Bible that's challenging for the way that we're living, that is actually from the Holy Spirit an opportunity for us to engage and go deeper with it. Do you remember uh, in John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching to a big crowd of people, and he really starts talking about the hard things. I'm going to die. You guys have to take up your cross. And a lot of the, a lot of the crowd leaves. They, they, they leave Jesus because his words were hard to understand. His words were hard to swallow. And then Jesus asked the 12 disciples, he says, are you guys going to leave too? He's looking them in the eye. Are you guys going to leave too? These words are, are hard to take. But then Peter in John 6, 68 says this, Lord, to whom will we go? <laughs> you have the words that give eternal life. He says in verse 69, we believe. And we know you are the Holy One of God. So this, in Peter's words here, is the approach that we're talking about when we let the Bible read us. If Jesus' words to us are hard, we say, Lord, I don't know, but where else am I going to go? I trust you. Who who else am I going to listen to, Lord? I believe what you have here is good for me, so I'm going to stay right here believing that you're God. And that your words are good for me. Um, Do you remember that it was Peter, James, and John that stayed with Jesus? They actually saw him transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration. They they stayed, even though they stumbled, they stayed. And on the day of Pentecost, launched the the new church. So I want to remind you guys, those who stay with the word, reap the benefits of of intimacy with Jesus. Don't quit the Bible when you come into something that you don't understand, 
or you come into something that bothers you or you don't want to change, don't quit. Because staying with the Bible will one day work in your life and you'll be closer to Jesus because of it. Can I hear an amen? Those who continue to engage with the truth of the Scripture over a lifetime, they're going to see a change in their life. It just has that way of forming you when you don't run away from it and you don't ignore or, or avoid the difficult places. So let the Bible read the places in your life that you need to change. The Bible speaks truth to you. Let it get in there. Drop your guard. Let it penetrate you. Rich Velotis said it like this, unless we are immersing ourselves in Scripture for the purpose of being encountered by God, not merely observing the text, then we'll find our formation limited. What he's saying is we're not going to be changed unless we go to the Bible hoping it will read our mail. Like, go to the Bible knowing that it's got your number and it's asking you to change. Asking you to change. So, when I read the Bible, even when something there bothers me, I go, you know, I don't want to forgive. You know, I, I do know better in this situation. I, I, I don't want to be honest in this moment. I let the Bible change me and I stay with it so that in the staying with the Bible, staying with the Scripture, it can form me more fully into the image of Jesus. Well, guys, I want to kind of wrap up by giving you something really practical, okay? There's two brief thoughts that I want to try to encourage you to put into practice as we as a church body really dig into how do we hear the voice of God through the written word. The first is so, so simple. Can we just read it slowly? Everybody say slowly. slowly. Read it slowly. You might be the best speed reader, scanner that there is. Jennifer gets so annoyed with me because I scan read texts that come in. I read the first two, three words. I think I got it. I go on about my business. Missing all the important details in the message. So read it slowly. Read the Bible slowly. And, and you know, today, I'm so thankful. Today during worship, we as a group, we read the Scripture together slowly with the encouragement to allow God to directly speak to us individually. That was pretty amazing. In the body of Christ for centuries, this way of reading the Scripture slowly, prayerfully, for meaning, um, has been a part of what followers of Jesus did. Uh, that This divine reading, or Lectio Divina, is a contemplative way of reading the Bible. And what contemplative basically means is thoughtful. Not necessarily academic, but thoughtful. A thoughtful way of reading the Scripture. It was established in the early centuries of the Christian church, further carried on uh, as a monastic practice by St. Benedict in the 6th century. It's praying through the Scriptures, leading us to engage or encounter God in His Word. You just got to slow down. 
Slow down. You read a short passage more than once, and then you just kind of chew it. Chew it over and over. Just recently, we were in Ecuador, and we were in sugarcane fields. And they chop the sugarcane raw, peel a little outside of it off, and give you a hunk of sugarcane. And you put it in your mouth, and it's just this giant plant. But as you kind of gnaw on it, kind of chew it a little bit, you get all the sweetness from it. That's what we do with the Word of God. Thomas Cramner said it like this. He's a famous English archbishop. Maybe I don't have this one in there. Uh, but he said this, let's ruminate. And as it were, chew the cud. Let me, I think I do have it. You want to read this. Okay, check this out. Thomas Cramner said, let us ruminate. And as it were, chew the cud. You give me a picture of a cow like this. That we may have the sweet juice, the spiritual effect in our life, marrow, honey, the kernel, the taste, comfort, and even consolation of them. You see, back at the turn of the millennium, around 1000 AD, people understood that you need to read the scripture slowly, letting it speak to you. And so I want to give you an acronym today, and I've already kind of revealed it to you, but it takes the form of the word bread. Bread. And so the first letter is B. And write this down. Be still. Be still. There's definitely opportunities to be out on a run and listening to the Bible. There's definitely opportunities, you know, to be working and have the Bible playing through your headphones and stuff. But sometimes it's really good to just be still and sit with it. And then the R is this. Read the Scripture slowly. Read the Scripture slowly. The E of the bread would be encounter. When we say encounter, like what do you notice here from the Bible? Don't try to judge what it's saying. Just what do you notice? You're not trying to apply it yet. What do you see in the Scripture when you're coming to it? So you read it again and again. What do you get, get from it? This encounter is where you come into contact with God. So taste everything that's there. And then, after you've done that, try to apply it. How can I embody this today? How can I take what I've read and encountered from God here, and how can I put it into practice? How can I become what I see in Scripture? How can this be applied to the way that I act and the way that I think? And then, finally, the D of bread is devote. Devote. Our first step away from Scripture should be to pray, to interact with God. God, you've said this. I want to do that. Lord, you've said that. Thank you for showing that to me. So every time we read the Scripture slowly and we encounter God and we try to apply it to our life, we end by talking to God. This is, Lord, what I heard here. Thank you. Or help me, because this is hard. Always let your first step away from Scripture be prayer. So that's a little practical way to slow down and let the Scripture work in you. And then, finally, maybe you write this down in your notes. Read it often. 
So we're going to read it slowly, and we're going to read it often, slowly and often. Reading the Bible in submission to its authority and allowing it to read me is the most effective when it's a habit, when it's a habit. Building a habit of reading God's Word is, listen to me, friends, it is the most effective way to allow Jesus to be formed in you. We talk about, I want to look like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Reading the Bible is how that's formed in me. Uh, there's a um, really impactful study that Barna did in 2009. It's a little old now, but they surveyed 40,000 people, all different ages, aged 8 to 80. And all of these people who were surveyed said that reading the Bible had a profound effect on spiritual growth and mental health. Like, when we read the Bible, it helps us spiritually, it keeps our mind right, okay? But only when they read it four or more times a week. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? So what, what we can kind of glean maybe from this study is, you know, one or, two, one or two times a week offers, you know, minor benefits. But there was like this threshold when people hit four times a week that their mental health and their spiritual growth results just kind of catapulted. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is the Bible won't help you a whole lot if it's just a shot in the arm that you get once a month. Okay? If you use the Bible like you use a Red Bull when you're jet-lagged, you know? <laughs> or you use the Bible when you need a little pick-me-up, it's not going to do a lot for you. But write this down. If you engage it daily, it will form you deeply. If you engage it daily, it will inform you deeply. And remember, we just started this year with not checking the boxes, right? It's not about performance. There is so much grace with Jesus. The Lord doesn't want you to feel guilty when you miss that moment of your habit of daily Bible reading. It's about relationship. It's about getting that habit working in your life so that deep transformation can work. So friends, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. But can I just encourage you, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's read the Bible in submission to what it says. Let's allow it to read us. Let's allow what's happening in the Bible to form me into the image of Jesus. So this morning, I want to encourage you. You want to maybe put, put, put your papers and pens down and put your Bible down. And I want to invite you just to stand up. And we're going to conclude with a prayer. It's going to be our final prayer. And we're going to pray a scripture together. Kind of as a way to seal everything we've talked about, about the authority of Scripture and how to let it work in our lives. And this Scripture is found in James chapter 1, verse 22. And I want to ask us all to read this together slowly. 
All right, here we go together. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Keep going. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Lord, that's our hope and our desire. To hear your word, to read your word, to let it read us, to do what it says. We know, Lord, that this is the path to freedom. We know, Lord, that this is the path to do your will. That you will bless us for doing it. So be with your people this week as we engage your written word slowly and often. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us here at The Crossing.